is coming today when no heartache shall come no more clouds in the sky no more tears to dim the eye all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see and i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be there'll be no sorrow there no more burdens to bear no more sickness no pain no more parting over there and forever i will be with the one who died for me what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see and i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see and i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be, amen? Amen. Well, turn your Bible, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, would you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read just one verse today, verse 23. Chapter 5, verse 23. We're coming to the end of the book of 1 Thessalonians here. And as the apostle comes to the end of his first letter to the Thessalonians, he concludes his letter with a half a dozen final remarks. Well, this is the first of those remarks, and it is also the text, of course, of our message this morning. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we just begin this morning, I think it's important to recognize here, he says that uh, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body. We know that we're tripartite. You know, often we try to explain the, 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 the God of heaven, and we say that He is three in one, and He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we go, wow, how in the world is that supposed to work? Well, probably there's really probably no real better illustration of that than you and I. We, too, are tripartite in that sense. We are three, three in one, if you will. Body, soul, and spirit, 
all three, and yet it comprises the whole. Now, we understand that you can't see the soul or the spirit, but you can see the body. And we could see Jesus Christ, but we couldn't see the Father, nor can you see the Holy Ghost. But there's just this element here where we see that he's talking about the complete person, the whole man, the whole woman here. And the apostle again has now said, you know, I'm going to share a couple of final concluding statements. And as he begins here, he talks about the fact that Jesus is coming. And the reality, that reality occupied his mind and his thoughts continually. And so here he is now reminding the Thessalonians about the same thing. He also reminds his readers of the importance of being prepared when Jesus does return. He admonishes them to keep themselves clean, to remain pure and unspotted in the world, to, to, I mean, in light of the fact that they're going to meet the Lord and then ultimately be judged by Him in the air. He's saying, listen, you've got to prepare. You must be ready. Jesus is coming, so keep it on the clean side, the pure side. Be spotless. And in this case, he uses the simple word, blameless. I mean, who in the world wants to meet the Lord being caught in the act of some shameful sin? Nobody wants to come have the Lord return and get caught in, with their hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. And the Apostle Paul is trying to remind them of this. So he's pointing out the need, if you will, to be all in. He's talking about the body, the soul, and the spirit, the complete person. He's saying separate uh, unto you, I mean, uh, the, the God of peace, sanctify you wholly, separate you completely, body, soul, and spirit, your whole being, everything you are, separated unto him. Get all in is what he's really talking about. Now, in order to better understand this context, it's important to note that those that are being addressed in the passage in 1 Thessalonians are those who have already placed their personal trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've already settled their eternal destination. Paul the Apostle is speaking to the church. The church is comprised of born-again believers. The church is comprised of people that know the Lord as Savior already. It's not to say that visitors can't come in that don't know Him as their Lord. It's saying that the church, in order to be a member, in order to be truly a part of the church body, the local visible body, you've got to have already been part of the body of Christ. Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read about, he takes some time and reads about the, the church, the body, if you will. And people like to get all mixed up and bent out of shape about whether it's universal church, whether it's local church, what he's talking about. But notice the terminology, and I think it'll be clear that these people have been placed into a body. And he defines what body he's talking about in chapter 12. Notice in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. By one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. Go to verse 27 to where he lays it out and makes it a little simpler. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. 
Okay, look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. <clears throat> Just a couple of verses to kind of lay the foundation for this message because here's the problem. If you will stay and hear the whole message, you may get the idea that the goal is to be all in as far as how you act and live. That is true, but that takes place after you're already all in to the body, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we need to lay the foundation because Paul the Apostle is speaking to the church, which means those that are already in Christ Jesus and already baptized into his body. Notice in Galatians 3.26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Boy, that's pretty plain, huh? And then if you would take the time, and you don't need to, but I'll read it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We see this element of being in Christ. So the picture is of a baptism. A baptism. And, and in our church, we have a baptistry, and there's water in that baptism. And people, once they put their faith in Jesus Christ, go up into that baptistry and down into the water. And then they're baptized all the way under, and they come all the way out. And that is a picture of what we just read about in the passage here. We're reading about people who at some point have been baptized into Jesus Christ's body completely. They're all in. You are either all in the body or you are all out of the body. You're not half in, half out. You're either in, meaning you're born again, you're forgiven, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, or you're not. And that takes place when we receive and accept Jesus as our Savior, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There comes a point in our life when we recognize that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross in order to pay for sin that we ourselves could never pay for. And as a result, we cry out to Him and ask Him to come into our life, forgive our sin and take us to heaven. We call upon the name of the Lord. And when we do that, He washes our sin away, He places us in the body of Christ, and He gives us a reservation in heaven. You say, well, what do you have to do for that? you got to call on Him. Yeah, but what do you do for that? you got to call on Him. You have to acknowledge that you need him and that he alone and only he can forgive you and save you. I know, but don't I have to go to church at least three or four times? Don't I have to at least be nice to my family? Don't I at least have to give some money to the poor? Uh, that's not what it says. You have to call upon the name of the Lord. You have to receive Christ into your life. And when you do that, he says, it equates to being baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. You are now in a body, Christ's body. You've been baptized in that body. And you are all in or you're all out. So the apostle then, speaking here to the Thessalonians, he's saying, I know you're all in 
to the body of Christ. I know you're already saved. I'm talking to a body of saved, forgiven sinners. And I'm telling you, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's telling them, keep yourselves clean. Stay pure. Be spotless in view of your meeting with him in the air. Be prepared when he comes. Simply put, the apostles pointing out the need then, watch this, to be all in. Not just all in the body of Christ, but all in to the life of Christ. To be like Christ. To live a life that obviously says he or she is all in. It's obvious. A story is told of Ivan the Great, who was the Tsar of Russia during the 15th century. Now, some have claimed it's historically accurate. Others say it's not. I don't know. I didn't do the research. It just fit my message. <laughs> I don't know. But either way, it's, it really hits the nail on the head here. So please bear with me. Ivan, uh, he brought together the warring tribes into one vast empire. Of course, it was called the Soviet Union, and uh, at least that's what we would know it as. And as a fighting man, he was courageous. As a general, they claim he was brilliant. He drove out the Tartars, and he established peace across the nation. And the problem was, he was so busy waging his campaigns that he never had a family. Well, his friends and advisors, they were a little bit concerned about that. Matter of fact, they were quite concerned. They reminded him that there was no heir to the throne and that if something would have happened to him or something did happen, then the union would shatter into chaos. They told him, they said, listen, you must take a wife who can bear you a son. So Ivan said that, well, you know, guys, listen, um, I don't really have time to search for a bride, but you go ahead and find a suitable bride and I'll marry her. So the counselors, the advisors, they searched the land they, to find just the right woman, the right wife for the, next, for the great czar, and found her they did. They found, they found her. They reported to Ivan, and they, they reported to him about a beautiful, dark-eyed daughter of the king of Greece. She was young, brilliant, charming, and he agreed to marry her, sight unseen. He's going to bring alliance together, ultimately prepare uh, to, to, to have a son and someone that could rule and reign in the kingdom. And the king of Greece, he was delighted to do so. He was more than happy as that would align Greece in a very favorable way with the emerging giant of the north. And so they reported to Ivan and uh, said, listen, he's all for it. He's good to go. We're good to go. But he does have one condition. Well, what's that? You can't marry his daughter unless you become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Well, Ivan said, no problem, I'll do it. He didn't care. So a priest was dispatched to Moscow and to instruct Ivan in Orthodox doctrine. Ivan was a very quick learner. He was a good student. And 
He learned the catechism in record time and arrangements were concluded and the czar made his way to Athens accompanied by 500 of his personal palace guards. He was to be baptized into the Orthodox Church by immersion. This was the custom of the Eastern Church. His soldiers, ever loyal, they asked if they could be baptized as well alongside their king. The patriarch of the church assigned 500 priests then to give those soldiers one-on-one catechism, a very crash course, if you will. And the soldiers, all 500 of them, were to be immersed in one mass baptism. The crowds gathered from all over Greece. It had to be an amazing sight to see 500 priests and 500 soldiers, a thousand people walking into that blue Mediterranean sea. The priests were dressed in black robes and tall black hats. The soldiers wore their battle uniforms with all their ribbons of valor. There was just one problem. The church prohibited professional soldiers from being members. And this is where the story breaks down for me because I'm thinking, well, how'd they get this far? But don't think, just listen. It's really a good story. (laughs) As a preacher, you're not supposed to admit that this doesn't make sense sometimes. But anyway, it's a story. It's not the Bible, okay? But it's going to support what I'm trying to say, and I think that it will do that quite, quite simply. So the church prohibited professional soldiers from being members, and therefore they'd have to give up their commitment to bloodshed. Well, that's... That was unacceptable. I mean, we can't let killers become church members. So after a round of diplomacy, the problem was solved rather, well, quickly and simply. As the words were spoken and the priests began to baptize them, each soldier reached to his side, withdrew his sword, and lifted it high over his head. And every soldier was totally immersed Everything baptized except his fighting arm and sword. Again, some say that's a true story. I don't know. I need to do more research. But either way, it illustrates a very important point. We need to be all in. And they weren't all in. Well, they were baptized, but they weren't all in. They had remained a portion of their body, a fighting arm and sword sticking out of the water. And you know what? We find this a very vivid picture of Christianity today. I mean, are there any unbaptized arms in here this morning? How about unbaptized wills? How about unbaptized talents? Unbaptized checkbooks, unbaptized social activities. Listen, the old flesh struggles to get all in. We're not talking about those getting into the body of Christ now. We've gotten past that. He's talking to those that are already born again. He's talking to those that have made a commitment to Jesus Christ and have called upon the name of the Lord. But we're talking about How committed are you to Him, Jesus Christ, your Savior now? Are you all in? 
Or is there a piece or a part of you that you're holding to yourself, that you're holding back from God? Jesus encountered a person who struggled to get all in. Turn to Matthew chapter 19, would you? And I understand that in this particular case, one could equate it to salvation, but I think it also has a brilliant picture to just the Christian life and following the Lord. This particular man wanted to be a part-time convert, if you will. And knowing that the man possessed great riches, the Lord invites him to follow him after giving up his treasure to the poor. Look at Matthew 19, 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Matthew 19, 21. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having great possessions. But those great possessions have to be part of the all-in. You can have everything you want in my life, but my money, I'll spend it the way I choose and I'll use it the way I want. Jesus said that's not how it works. If we ever hope to make the kind of impact in this world that will reach the godless, that will restore the backslidden, that will reignite the faith, that will please the master, then we have to be all in. Part-time Christianity will not get the job done. Listen, we live in a world right now where it's hard to get people to even work, let alone you know, just, uh, just, just even part-time. And it's like, well, we got all these conditions. This is what I have to have. This is what I want to do. This is when I'll be willing to work. Let me tell you, in the Christian life, we can't negotiate those things with God. And we're either all in or we're not. And the Lord wants us to be all in. The Apostle Paul, again, as he speaks here to these Thessalonians, he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you, set you apart holy, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body. He says, you're all of you, every last part of you, your whole being needs to be all in. It's full-time believers that truly please God. Hey, no arms, hands, feet, tongues, or eyes can be out of the water. Lord, you can have everything you want, but my tongue, I'm going to continue to talk the way I talk. You will not tell me how to talk. If I want to cuss, I'll cuss. If I want to say bad words, I'll say bad words. If I want to tell dirty jokes, I'll tell dirty jokes. God, you can have every part. I'll go to church on Sunday, but I still want to be able to hang out at the water cooler and listen to those jokes and tell a few myself. No, that's not what God wants from you. That's not what's going to ultimately honor Him and glorify Him. And that's certainly not something that's going to bless you, your family, and those around you. Your impact in your workplace will be zilch. Your effectiveness in the world will be nothing. You'll not have any influence or power 
concerning the gospel with any lost person if you look and act and be just like them. Turn if you would to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Ivan soldiers came to a compromise. We can still be baptized with our king, but we're going to leave a portion out of the water. We're not going to get all in. And that way we can continue to be soldiers and fight. Which there's nothing wrong with being a soldier and fighting for your country. But in this case, the picture is they were unwilling to get all in. And sadly, in Christianity, if we're not careful, we're willing to give so much, just not everything. We'll get in, but not all in. Romans 12, 1 and 2, though, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the same apostle who wrote to the Thessalonians is now writing to the church at Rome. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The apostle is literally begging believers to get all in by presenting their bodies a living sacrifice. The idea is that a person has first been baptized into the body of Christ then they need to get all in on the work of Christ. There probably wasn't a better example of this in the Bible than the writer himself, the Apostle Paul. We know his history, we know his past. In Acts chapter 26, look there, would you please? Acts chapter 26. You just don't realize, preacher, how difficult it is to overcome these vices in my life. Yeah, I know, but let's read about someone that overcame a pretty big vice. Again, there's no doubt, and I'll agree with you, you will not be able to do it yourself. It's not going to happen. But you can with the Lord. He will enable you to do all things. Watch what it says in Acts 26, verse 12. Paul the Apostle is... Now, giving his testimony, and he begins in verse 12 is where we begin. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, again, he's going back in time before he even met the Lord, and he's going to meet him here. He says, at noon midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Why are you going to Damascus? Well, it's simple. Saul would have said, who ultimately becomes the Apostle Paul. It's simple. I'm going there to defend the faith. You say, what faith, though? It wasn't the Christian faith, the Jewish faith. It was that Old Testament faith. And they were the very ones who said, crucify him, crucify him. He is not our Messiah. And Paul has bought into that truth, and he is extremely zealous, 
He says, let's go. Let's take care of business in Damascus. You give me the word and I will go there and I will round up every Christian I can. I'll throw them into prison. I'll kill them. I'll do whatever it takes to shut their mouths. And that's what he was doing on that road that day. And he says, At midday, king, I saw in the way, verse 13, a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? That's interesting. It'd be like my wife saying, Mark, Mark, take out the trash. Who art thou, wife? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15, and I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but shewed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Once a murderer of Christians, he became literally the standard in the business. He got all in that day. Not only did he get in to the body of Christ, but he got into the work of God. He said, listen, you rescued me from a, 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 a pathway that led to destruction. I would have aimlessly ended up in a place called hell. I would have gone there unaware that I would open my eyes there. I would have thought for sure, God, that I was doing your will, your way, and I would have thought I would have entered heaven with a pat on the back from you, the Creator. Thank you for waking me up to the truth. Thank you for showing me the light. And because you were so gracious to me, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to get all in. And boy, did he ever. In Philippians 1.21, the Apostle Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Philippians chapter 3, turn there, would you? Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Apostle Paul speaking again to the church, this time at Philippi, and he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. And what he's saying is, I haven't arrived yet. There's still things that I need to learn and uh, accomplish and do. And 
I just, I haven't, I haven't arrived yet. I count not myself to have apprehended, to have obtained everything that God has for me. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is this. He's not just simply saying, you know, I'm trying to put behind me the fact that I used to murder Christians, which that was true. I'm trying to put in my past and leave in my past how I messed up. I'm not letting the devil discourage me because I made mistakes in the past. That's not really the context of that statement. What he's actually saying is, I used to stand in my own righteousness. I used to believe that I could live my life in a way that would honor and please God to the point that he would permit me into his presence one day. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If anybody wanted to see how to live the life of a Jew the way God intended it, they put their eyes on me and I stood as a gleaming light in the darkness. And he says, I'm forgetting about all that mess. Because I'm not trusting in one thing that I used to trust in. I'm not depending in myself at all. All of my credentials mean nothing. It's all Christ. And his wonderful grace in my life. And because of that, he says in this passage, he says, this one thing I do then, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before those things that can only be found in Jesus Christ. You want peace in your life? You better quit going to your past. They didn't bring any peace to begin with. And that's why you put your faith in Jesus. Because you were looking for something you didn't have. And can I tell you, you'll never find it if you keep going back there. You got to go forward. I want joy in my life. Good thing to have. But you're not going to find that if you keep going back here and say, well, this is how I used to find happiness. And, and I, well, wait, then how come you had to come to Christ? I thought you had it all figured out. Well, no, I didn't. Well, then why are you going back there? Well, it's comfortable back there. It's what I know. Okay, keep going back to what you know, and you know what you'll get? What you used to know. Misery. You got to go forward, not backward. Forget those things which are behind. Get all in to Jesus Christ now. You're in as far as salvation. You're in the body of Christ. But now let's get into the ministry, the work. Let's do things God's way. Let's get all in. Don't hold a portion of your life out. Don't hold on to something that you're doing or something that you, you your, your aspirations, your goals, your own desires. No, die to self. Let Christ have all of you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We could continue to go on. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Notice the first three of the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace. There's not one person in the room that doesn't want love, doesn't want joy, and doesn't want peace. Can I tell you, you won't find that in the past. You find that in the future, in Christ. You find it in Him now and going forward in Him. Preacher, I just need some advice. How, how can I find some peace? I'm glad you asked. 
Because the Apostle Paul told them in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, in the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, set you apart completely, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what he did for you. Remember he's coming back. Remember you're going to give an account. And remember that, the, that you are part of his body today. And you don't have to live in that past. You can live for Jesus today. The devil will tell you you're going to fail. And you know what? You probably will. But you know what? You tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Because i got a Savior that's strong enough to lift me back up. Get all in. What a dilemma these soldiers faced. What are they going to do? We want to be baptized with our king. We want to follow in his footsteps. We want to honor him by being baptized also. Well, you can't get baptized into the faith as a, a, a killing soldier. I mean, you're going to have to do... Oh. Oh, I tell you what, we'll get all in except our arm and sword. And then that way we can still use it in battle. Today as a believer, I want to encourage you to not negotiate with God. Do not try to compromise in any way, shape, or form. Simply get all in. You say, what's that mean? Real simply, it just means doing what the Bible says we ought to be doing as Christians all the time, even when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient, because in the end, it's going to produce a positive outcome. Get all in. Be in God's house every time the doors are open. Be on your knees every day praying. Memorize Scripture Read the word of God. Forgive those that have hurt you or harmed you. Love those that are unlovable. Reach those that are without Jesus. Do those things that lift up and exalt and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Get all in. You'll never regret it. When we get all in, that's when God can get all out of us what he needs to in order to accomplish his will and plan for our lives and the lives of those around us. Are you all in this morning? I trust you are. First, are you all in to the body of Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you settled your eternal destination by calling on the Lord and accepting Him as your Savior. And if you have, the next question is again, are you all in as a believer? Or like those soldiers, is there a piece or part that you are withholding, that you're unwilling to give up, even for the Lord that saved your soul from hell? I pray you're all in. you're all in, that you're all in. Father, 
We come to you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to gather today. We thank you for the simplicity of your word. And we just ask that you would just meet our needs today. And Lord, we think about just how easy it is to hold back from you, to keep something from being offered to you. Lord, we we give you pieces and parts of our life, our mind, but then there might be a compartment or two. There might be a thing or two that we hold back. Lord, help us to get all in. May we not, like these soldiers, try to find a way to hold on to the past, but Lord, may we give it all up and start moving forward for you so that we can find the love, the joy, the peace that, Father, you have for us that only you can give us. Father, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. We'll give to you the glory and the honor. Lord, if there's someone that's here without Christ, may they settle their soul salvation today. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet.